Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Tyrants and people who don't like God, like Pharaoh, they double down. They double down. When threatened, when things get bad, they double down. Don't be a double downer. Be somebody who literally humbles. And when you go through hard times, get better. James chapter 1, I believe, says, Consider it pure joy when you go through trials and tribulations, for it will build character. That's my translation. It'll make us better, actually. And so you make the decision, but you think God's going to answer immediately, but he doesn't. You have absolute delays. So what do I do in a delay then? I have a dream. I've made a decision to pursue it. I'm already frustrated by it. I'm ready to drop the New Year's resolution. It's only one week away, right? Why does God allow delays? Or, or not why? What do we do in the middle of delays? Listen to Isaiah 55, 8. You have to tell yourself what God says. God says to us, my thoughts, desert heights, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. And then that leads us to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. What do you do in the middle of a delay? When things are bad, when the tyrant in your life has doubled down, Satan's coming at you extra hard, you just can't seem to get one step forward in pursuit of your dream that you decided to pursue. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And God will make your path straight. So what did Aaron and Moses do? They went to Pharaoh. And the next line, this is in Exodus 7.10. It says, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and they did just as the Lord commanded. What do you do in the middle of a delay? Do just as the Lord commands you. That should be loaded with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When you're going through a delay and every cuss word wants to just come crawling out, now's the time to double down spiritually in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because you're in a delay. And once you push through the delay, you got to just trust God. you got to be faithful through all of that. And it's often in these delays where we're like, okay, Lord... Consider it pure joy. Uh, I'm going through troubles. These delays have been hard. So now you're going to deliver, right? Phase four, right, is delivered. God would say no. He would probably say, I love you too much. I love you just the way you are. And he actually does. But I love you too much to let you stay the same way. I still have some work to do in you. And he might. He does with me. I feel when, when God's voice, when I... Since it, he tends to talk with the same attitude I do. So often God will say to me, Trent, shut up. I mean it. And if you happen to be that, if you're a real kind person and full of lots of great, beautiful empathy, that probably hurts your heart. But that's how God needs to speak to me. He'll speak to you in that empathy. He'll meet you where you're at. And so I often need my butt kicked. I often need to be told to shut up. I often, you know, my wife does a wonderful job at that. I often call her the Holy Spirit in my life. <laughs> I, I married a lion and I have to use a chair and a whip on her sometimes because she's dangerous, you know, but she's beautiful too. So uh, it's all good. It's all good. Where was I? Delays. He loves you. Phase four. Just when you think, all right, delivery time. Nope. 
Think of the story of Moses. Did it immediately, were they released from Israel after they were called to double the quota of their, their bricks and, and straw? When, when Pharaoh doubled down? No, what happens? Difficulty. You're like, are you kidding me? But if you think through a hard time in your life, where I mean, you, you went through some trouble. You lost a lot. I talked to a lot of people in the, in the last year. Suicidal thoughts are heavy in our culture today. If you think through all of that, you're going to see these phases, you know, and you may see that you quit some things sooner than you should have. I know I personally have. There's things, my wife and I were just talking the other day as I was talking through this message. She's like, you know, you did that. I was like, oh, really? Is this where we're going with this? Does it have to be about me, you know? She's like, yeah, if you're going to preach it, you've got to understand it too. I'm like, I knew I loved her. Difficulty. The 10 plagues. Remember the 10 plagues? Hey, this is brutal. This is a brutal time. Exodus 7 through 11, the 10 plagues happen. What is God doing through the 10 plagues? I don't know if you know this or not, but each of the plagues was a direct attack from God to one of their false idols. Each one, the blood, the flies, the fleas, the firstborn at the very end, plague number 10, Pharaoh thought himself to be God. And, and the Egyptians worshipped him as God. So God didn't just destroy Pharaoh in all of this difficulty time. We're in the difficulty phase. In the very last phase, God actually, because of Egypt's unfaithfulness, and didn't do what the Lord asked. God destroyed their potential. The firstborn is the next prince. That's the next generation of gods to the Egyptians. So it's a direct attack on all of the idols that the Egyptians have. Idolatry. If you're going to go through, see, delays are smaller, lighter, frustrating. And if God's like, hey, you're not quite getting it yet. I want to keep shaping you. Are you really being faithful? God's going to get you to start questioning, do I have things in my life that I place above the Lord? If you do, those are called idols. And God is in the business of killing idols. He wants to clean all that junk out of your life so that you and him are fully one. A friendship, a lordship submitted to him. What are the idols in your life? And when you don't follow the Lord, when you actually uh, get away from doing what he asked, and it's a slow, steady, drip, drip, drip. Listen to what happens. I just want to read. I'll read fast. Romans 1, verses, starting with verse 21. People knew God, Paul writes this in Romans, people knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. Again, to turn their things to idol worship. They began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Think of our culture today. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Depression, darkness, sin, pursuing just what we want honoring the things that we demand in life. Those are called idols. We live in a society today where we have self-idol. So, it's not my notes. I just thought of it. Don't let me forget this. Freedom. What is freedom? So we think of American freedom. Many people in our culture today think freedom is, I get to do whatever I want. That's freedom. Uh, and they don't want any tyranny in their lives whatsoever. And so the problem with that is this. Think of every time, and, it, and it's not in the New Living Translation. That's my favorite translation to, to read and teach out of. But when I study, I like to get into to less contemporary words. 
Every time God said to Moses, go tell Pharaoh, what's the famous phrase? Let my... Do you know what the next sentence says? Every time when Moses goes to Pharaoh, there's a sentence immediately following. Let my people go so that they may go out and serve the Lord. Freedom is not you getting to do whatever you want. Freedom, that kind of freedom means you're a tyrant and you're a slave to self. Welcome to our culture. Everybody in America, so many in America, not everybody, are being slaves to self-desires. Freedom truly is this, where you will become a slave to the Lord. I'd love to come back and do the bondservant message about how, how a slave becomes a bondservant and it's a lifetime commitment even after they've been forgiven and set free. It's a beautiful thing. So you become a slave to the Lord. Do you want to be a slave to self? And we don't like the word slave in our culture, servant. You want to be a servant to self or a servant to the Lord. And when you're truly free and you're serving the Lord, your life mission and your life dream ought to be promote the progress and purpose of others. And trust God to promote your own. When life is about you always promoting your own progress and purpose, you're, be, you're free, but not really. You're just a slave to self-desires. And you yourself become an idol. That's a dangerous one to be. What does God have to take a person through when they've made themselves the idol? If you are your own idol, God knows he's going to lose you for eternity unless he does something drastic. If God knows he's going to lose you for eternity, he's willing to take some risks to win you over because he created us. He knows what we're made of and he knows it takes often us to hit rock bottom, fall to our knees, and the only thing we have to do is to look up and ask for help. But some of us are so stubborn, rock bottom is almost deadly. Why would you wait to go rock bottom if you're sitting in your head thinking if you want to follow the Lord? Why are you going to continue to allow God to just break you down and break you down? He knows he's going to lose you anyway. He's going to be drastic. You're his masterpiece. He wants you back. And if he's going to lose you anyway, he's willing to do some very drastic things in your life or allow some very drastic things to get you to turn because he wants you for eternity. He's not worried about your comfort here in America. He's worried about your comfort in eternity with him. And so difficulty, uh, you can keep reading Romans. We got to keep rolling. We're good. In the face of difficulty then, I've got to develop spiritual strength and I've got to be willing to sacrifice the things in my life that the scriptures would say I need to get rid of. And you'll have to spend time in God's word doing that. Uh, Man, I just keep wanting to chase rabbits. I'm going to chase this one. Uh, getting in the last, what are four years now, to travel to so many different churches, working with CFR and with Return Hope now, I get a lot of phone calls and, and I get to be in the know of how pastors, lead pastors are doing around the country and pastoral staff. And I'm telling you, it scares my heart. They're dropping like flies to depression, suicide, sexual immorality, financial immorality. They're just giving up. And major, there's a large number of people, they're just walking away from ministry completely. And, and I don't know if you're asking why. I've been thinking about this a lot. Some of it's our fault. I don't want to say you. I'm not, I'm not a lead pastor anymore. Some of, can I just, let me just point here in regards to you and your relationship with Pastor Brent. 
Some of you put him on such a pedestal that he's your, he's your answer man. There's two institutions that have not changed since the invention of the internet. The education system and the church. The education system and the church rely on a 1500 style European teaching where the professional who studied and got his degree stands and eloquently feeds his sheep. You know, YouTube is probably the greatest free education in the world. I am convinced I can go watch a YouTube video, completely tear apart my Honda Pilot, and put it back together if I just pay attention to YouTube. I'm convinced. But here's the problem. The education system, the teachers get up front, you must answer what I know. And they try to shape and they try to force. Bad teachers do. Good teachers, good pastors. Here's the thing. You should put a lot of pressure on Brent to teach you God's word. I'm going to say it pretty bold. How dare us put pressure on Pastor Brent to teach us how to have a good marriage. Maybe his marriage at points, I'm going to say it, sucks. Mine does on occasion. And I'm a man of God and I'm a pastor. Why do you want to have a marriage like me? And your personality is different than me anyway. If I try to tell you how to have a good marriage, you know what? You've got Google. And you can learn 50,000 different ways how to have a good marriage and then be smart enough to filter it through the word of God. Stop putting the pressure on your pastor because being the information deliverer is like crack cocaine to a pastor. It adds to them wanting to have more power. It makes us feel more important. You want, you want, teach me, oh great one. Teach me, oh great one. Stop it. We ain't great ones. We just happen to know God's word and the calling in our, our job is to increase your Bible knowledge. God help us, we're in a society now where a majority of churches, and I don't hear it here, a majority of churches, the pastors don't even know the Bible. And they're teaching you how to have a good marriage, how to have good finances, how to live the best life now. When their life behind the scenes, and I've seen it, is falling apart. Depression, suicide, we've got it all messed up. And it's fascinating. I was just watching some Christmas specials. I don't know, the Dolly Parton one. I watched two songs. Don't tell the guys I watched Dolly Parton two songs. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't Dolly Parton. It was J-Lo. It was J-Lo. Because Dolly Parton did her thing as well. So you can tell the guys I was watching J-Lo. That's a little better. I heard somebody say that. Uh, that's, we're crossing lines now. And I noticed this. J-Lo had white robe church choir come out. It kind of shocked me. She ain't no church girl. So Hollywood is trying to play church, and immediately after, I saw another TV show that was a church service on television, and it may as well have been a U2 concert. We've kind of like flipped roles. Hollywood's trying to be the church, and the church is trying to be Hollywood. And I'm convinced, if you, and I hope Brent doesn't have this, if you don't have white tennis shoes and a jean jacket and the right glasses and a red keyboard, you just ain't a cool church anymore. And, and I, you remember the old movie, I'm chasing a rabbit, we're never getting out of here. You remember the old movie, uh, uh, is it called Stepford Wives? Where everybody was just exactly the same? I kind of feel church is that way. And I just want to challenge you guys to be you. Put pressure on Brent to teach you God's word. 
and you feed yourself. Stop putting pressure on him to be like the 1500 European pastor that had to be the most studied and smartest person in the room to feed you because it is like a drug and it's ruining pastors. We are putting too much pressure on them to be our answer people. And don't even get me started in the education system. We've got the internet where you can learn anything. We've got so many smart people around the world. We've limited, and I love teachers. I taught high school Bible in a private Christian school for a couple years. We just have a mess. And there's some changes. We need to take advantage of the internet good. And we need to be careful how we're treating our pastors. Where was I? Difficulty? Oh, Lord. We're good. All right. So in your mind, we're at the difficulty phase. The 10 plagues are happening, right? The last plague, God tells Moses, I need everybody to sacrifice. Kill that lamb, right? And put the blood on the doorpost. If you're in this story, if, you're, if you haven't heard it, just go find it in the book of Exodus. It's, it plays out like a movie when you read. It's a beautiful story. And when you do that, God has commanded death to pass over that house, right? You follow me? So you're in the difficulty phase. Can you imagine how quiet and terrifying that night was? I envision a families huddled in the middle. They're told death is coming over. The firstborn is going to be killed in every household, even every animal, if you don't get the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and be faithful to God. And here's what's cool about the difficulty phase. Here's what's cool about God. God controls death, right? And he said, death, I don't need you to go knock on the door and open it up and see what kind of people are in the house. I just need you to see the blood of the lamb and move on. And I think some of you are so hard on yourselves that you can't be good enough to really honor and please the Lord. And I need to tell you, that's a form of false worship, idol worship, in a negative sense, that you think you just can't be good enough. God didn't go in and find out what kind of people were inside the house. He didn't ask him about their past. He just said, do you trust the blood of the lamb, right? And we know what that means in the New Testament now. And I just can't reinforce enough how much of a masterpiece you are to God. And only a few I worry about becoming egotistical and braggarts about that. And they become like Pharisees. Those are nasty people. Don't be that. Understand you are the masterpiece of God. And let it humble you and give you great gratitude to serve others freely. Difficulty. Difficulty is going to cause you to desire to sacrifice some things. But here's the thing. You think, okay, he's passed over. And you're thinking, we have been phase sixth, but we still got phase five. It's automatic here at difficulty because what happens? The people leave and the Egyptians are ripping off their gold and their jewelry and they're saying, get out of here, get out of here, go. And you would think they're being delivered. They march out of Egypt in procession. But where do they go to? So they actually enter into the area, phase five, dead end. Everything starts with the dream. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Isn't this encouraging? Delivery's coming. Starts with a dream, you make a decision, you have delays, you have difficulties. And it's a difficulty phase where you want to throw in the white towel and go, I must have heard God wrong. This is clearly what he doesn't want of me. No, it is. It is. You just got to, he's, he's just building some character in you, perseverance in you. 
You got dead ends coming. They march out of Egypt and they go to the location. It's a cool name. It's in Exodus 14, 9. It says they arrive at Baal Zephon, which is translated God's cul-de-sac or God's dead end. Literally, all of the Israelites march. The Red Sea is here. You got a mountain range on this side. I've seen the location. Mountain range on this side. This is a large population of people. You're in a cul-de-sac. You're in a dead end, literally. And you, and you know what happens in this situation? If you read the story further, I'm not going to take the time to read it because we're going to honor our time. You can go read the Bible about it. It says, uh, at that point, 600 charioteers and all of Egypt's army is coming. So they're in not just, they're in a dead end. Red Sea in front, mountain range, mountain range, Egyptians. You're completely surrounded. What does Moses do? What does Moses, here's where I get my theory about God doesn't care about some of the things we pray about. Moses, it says, falls on his face. Let's see if I have it in here. Uh, I'll get to it. It says he falls onto his face and he begins to cry out to the Lord. All the people begin to, what did you do? You brought us out here just to die. We would rather go back to Israel where we at least had food and security. When you're in your delays and your difficulties, the temptation for you to look back and go to your comfort zone, to go back to the slavery you used to be in is going to be massive. These people were willing to go back to slavery where they were brutally beaten and treated versus step out in an adventure and a pursuit of a dream that God had given them. So easy to want to go back to slavery. Don't do it. Keep pushing through. And it says, Moses fell to his face and he's praying. He's crying out to the Lord. You know what God says next? I love this. This, is, this has no empathy in it. So you empathy people, I love you, but I'm sorry. I love this. God says, why are you praying to me? Why are you crying out to me? And it stops there. And you think about that. God already met with him at the burning bush, told him what to go do. He met with him the entire time. Say, keep going, keep going. Do exactly what I tell you. Why are you crying out to me? Get up and do what I've asked you to do. And in fact, be still, it says, Exodus 14, 4. He ends the sentence, I, the Lord, will fight for you. You only have to be silent. And when you're in a dead end and you've put all of it on, all your life on the line and you're laying face first and your friends are doing the Job thing, ha, 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 you're the sinner. You're the one that's obviously messed up. You clearly are mistaken. Best thing you can do is lay there and groan in silence because the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that it'll even translate our moans and our groans to the Lord. You just lay there, maybe you flip over and you go, you got me, God. You have refined everything out of me. Here I am. Use me. Be silent and trust the Lord. And then Moses gets up, shakes the dust off. That Red Sea miraculous parts. And God, the face sixed him, delivered. So when the delays and the difficulties and the dead ends have developed you to the point that God desires you to be at this moment... He will phase six you. Every one of us in 2023 want to be phase sixed, right? And as we wrap this up, phase six is God will deliver when he knows you're ready. If you continually find yourself walking in circles, you're like, God, I don't like you. You need to be saying it to yourself. 
You need to be saying, God, what What do I need to be learning here because I just keep going in the same circles. I keep repeating delays, difficulties, and dead ends. When does that delivery come? And for the apostles, for most of them, it didn't come until they were beheaded. I wish I had good news for you all the time. God doesn't always deliver on this side of life. God doesn't always heal on this side of life. It's his plan and we have to trust him. So God will deliver when he knows you're ready. If not ready, he will detour you. And eventually without submission, if you continue to resist and be detoured all your life and never fully give in to the Lord, he will destroy. So phase six is either delivery or destruction. And that's a lifetime decision. And God's patient. God is forgiving. It says Exodus 15.1, the seas parted, they turned back, they closed down and crashed on the Egyptians. And I wish that were the end, but I have just a third of a page left. God just refines us time and time again towards our perfect completion. And then we think, oh, it's easy rolling from here. We've been delivered. No, there's more. Just as they're on the other side, Exodus 15, they sing a big song to the Lord. Exodus 16, the people begin to complain that they don't have food or water. A new dream. They have just been delivered. So the instant you have been delivered, you start back over. What's the dream now? The dream for the Israelites was, let's get to the promised land. Do you know it's supposed to be, for that many people, a 12-day walk to the promised land? 12 days is all it was supposed to take. But through it, God had a dream. I got I to gotta prepare these people. They have been in slavery. They have been worshiping Egyptian gods for 430 years. I've got to burn, purify this out of them to the point where the older generation had to be led and eventually died off. The next generation, he had to start so fresh. Age is not a number. Age is an attitude. I know some 95-year-olds that are just children, and I love them. I call that the spiritual gift of immaturity. And I justify it with Jesus. He says, if you don't have faith like a child, you're not fit to be my disciple. That's what I mean by spiritual immaturity. I have a gift of spiritual immaturity. I could offend you so fast because, especially if you're really churchy, and I would say to you, listen, don't be in that generation where God has to kill you off in order to release the next generation to do what he needs done. Stay flexible. Stay a learner. Watch some YouTube on occasion and filter it through the Bible. <laughs> right? Days 12, it took them 40 years. A 12-day walk went to 40 years. Talk about detours. You get it. The dream is now to get to the promised land. It starts over, no water, 40-year detour. Finally, they're delivered out of, the, out of the desert. And they're where? Jericho, right? They're now at Jericho, and the walls come tumbling down, right? They conquer Jericho, and they settle in the land there. True delivery has happened. The next dream hits. You know what the next sentence says in the Bible? Now there were giants in the land. So as much as I want to tell you this is such a positive message that will give you a roadmap to inspire you, it includes the reality that you are going to get your teeth kicked in for the rest of your life. And I have found that those who accept that and then say, bring it on, let's go. I can do this with the Lord. You know, it's fascinating. American Christians love the Bible verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Oh, that's so American and independent. Do you know what the next sentence says? But you were good to help me anyway. 
That's what Paul says. I know I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, which means it wasn't by himself. It's with the Lord. And the next sentence says, but you all helped me still, and I am grateful. That's church. That's church. So finally get to Jericho. They conquered Saturn land. Then there were giants. You can take, every time you study a story in Scripture, remember the six phases. You'll see them. Do the life of Jesus. Do the life of Jesus with the six phases of faith. His dead end is he's in the garden. He's like, if there's any other way, please, Father, any other way. These are just mud pies. I'm kind of joking, but you're taking it serious. So here's a take home, and we're going to close. You get it? Dream. You make a decision. You're going to have, I promise you, delays, difficulties, and dead ends. Stay faithful through those. When you're going through the six or through through delays, difficulties, and dead ends, these are worth writing down, or if you have a really good memory, these are our take home. Ask these three questions in your delays, your difficulties, and dead ends. They'll help you get to delivery quicker. Question number one: What am I afraid of? That requires a journal. And don't answer spiders. I'm asking you to go deeper than that. <laughs> right? What am I afraid of? Second question. God, what are you trying to teach me? And I didn't go, I, I went longer than Brent, so it's sorry. What's God trying to teach me through this? God, what are you trying to teach me? And question three, what does love require of me from this point forward? As I'm going through this incredibly difficult time, marriages are hard. You're facing your spouse and you just kind of hate them right now. Imagine how it would impact your marriage if you asked yourself in the middle of the heat, what am I afraid of? God, what are you trying to teach me? And what does love require of me from this point forward? I guarantee it'll require you to step out from being a slave to your selfish desires. It'll change everything you do. God, what are you trying to teach me here? What am I afraid of? And, and uh, what's the last one? What does love require of me? Last paragraph, and I'll close this in prayer. You're at this very moment in the biggest war you will ever wage in your life. You're fighting for what you'll one day become. There are forces clashing for influence in your heart, soul, mind, and strength that you might not recognize until you're able to look back on a year from now and see what you've become. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.